you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. Welcome back to Relationship Psych, the podcast. Today, I have Tamara Henningham on the show with us today. I'm very excited to have her. She's a healthy relationship therapist that covers a huge spectrum of relationships from individuals, families, to couples. So many of us in our lives require us to have the tools to navigate the different kinds of relationships, not just romantic ones, and repair some of the unhealthy dynamics in our own family. She's learned a lot, a thing or two about relationships, repair, rebuilding, and the importance of meaningful connection. So welcome her to the show. I'm so excited to chat with her. Welcome. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about how did you get into working in the area of relationships? Um, It's always a funny complicated story when I do have to share it and I have to figure out how to refine it a little bit. Um, But essentially what it was is um, by meeting a lot of amazing people, I got into the field of social work. Yeah. And then being in my master's program, there was more conversations about, you know, just private practice and working with individuals and that sort of thing. So that was another planted seed. And I said, okay, And then I started to pay attention to where the gaps in services were based off the experience I've had being in the field. And I kind of just decided that, you know, this is something that I really am passionate about across the board. And I think more specifically, when I look at my community and see that there's a lot of things that can be improved um, as a result of probably, let's say, you know, intergenerational trauma and that sort of thing that plays a huge role in how we relate and connect to folks. Um, I decided to kind of hone in on that. And it's been something that's great because I've been able to almost marry my personal and professional together. Um, Even though we fight, you know, internal, you know, my professional is just kind of, come on, Tamara, you know, you should be doing this. And my, my personal is kind of like, who cares? You know, (laughs) I'm done being responsible. No one else is being responsible. Yeah. So I definitely feel, um, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but I definitely feel obligated to, you know, practice what I preach, you know, um, give people grace, honor people's desires and wishes and boundaries and um, things of that nature. So I guess in short, that's how I got here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love just how relatable and how human you just made yourself. Cause I think, you know, so many of my clients, their objection when I'm teaching them something new is like, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel organic. I don't feel like I'm able to say what I want to say. No. And I relate to that too. Like you're in a fight with your partner or you're in relationship and there's like this, like little, I don't know. So uh, your alter ego on your shoulder. Right. 
just say the shit you want to say in the way you want to say it. And then you have the other part of your, your personality. That's like, no, be respectful, practice what no. you preach. And you're like doing no. this tongue of war dance. And you're like, which one is going to be victorious? I know exactly. So it's, it's definitely a struggle, but it becomes easier because now I understand like the bigger picture, right? When we respond to things just out of reaction, we see how sometimes you can't take back some of the hurt that you've kind of caused, right? And then where do you go from there? So I think with me constantly reminding myself that, is this helpful? I think that's like the biggest question. Is this helpful? Am I achieving the goal that I want to achieve? And if the answer is sincerely no, then I have to regulate myself to then be the person because I know, I know better. So I should be doing better. Keyword should, (laughs) I should be doing better. So it does become a little bit easier because now my default's a little bit different. Yes. Okay. I love what you just said there. Cause yeah, you have this like question, is this helpful and great question to ask yourself, by the way, like if anybody just takes that away, is my current behavior helpful? And then like, I think you can extend on that. Is it helping me? Is it helping my partner? Is it helping us jointly achieve the goals we want to achieve? Cause sometimes I might think yelling at someone is helpful. <laughs> it does help me achieve what I want to achieve perhaps, but it also damages the relationship at the same time. So yeah. I just think about like, which aspect of the helpfulness here but what you said like I can't take back the hurt Mm -hmm. it's a good point right like when we damage relationship when we do something whether that's a parent a friend our partner we do something and we damage it you know the elephants they don't forget and neither do us humans um Mm -hmm. and we process through and heal it and sometimes then our memory lets us forget but when we really hurt people they don't forget Exactly. You know, so it, it's just kind of trying to the best of your ability, because at the end of the day, we are human, and we will make mistakes, right? But I, what I do highlight is the difference between intentionality and impact, you can have all the intention in the world. But the impact is still what it was, you didn't intend to be disrespectful, but I still felt disrespected. Yeah. So I think once we're remembering these small, small little things, like I don't want anyone to feel like they have to know everything, but once you have these small kind of like bulletin points, they help you to kind of realign yourself with who you really want to be. Cause no one necessarily wants to go around disrespecting people or being mean or doing any of that stuff. That's more of a learned behavior, but we do want to connect and relate to other people. So in that, knowing that, okay, if I say this, this may damage something that's also important to me, then, okay, how can I readjust and still get my point across? Because I don't want you to you shrink yourself, but in a way that's assertive. The key word is assertion, right? Right. Yeah, I love what you said about that impact versus intention. Like, I used to struggle wanting to feel like a safe person that people could talk to in my personal life more than my professional life, because <laughs> side of you. Um, but what I didn't realize, one of the things is like, if I yelled at my partner, for example, the impact of that meant I wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. Um, my intention wasn't to create a, a relationship that wasn't safe all around, but that was the impact. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to understand how the moments in certain points in an interaction, or even though like those, maybe those moments of yelling only took up 5% of our interactions and 95% right. of them were good. Yeah. It's changed the, so when I were, would yell and it was only 5% of the time, mm-hmm. the impact of that on the, on our relationship is it didn't feel safe. 
Mm-hmm. And so that, although it wasn't my intention, I didn't mean to, I had to wrap my head around impact. I just share that story to the kind of people are like, I don't know if you get this. And then people say to my partner, like, what's it like to be married to oh, a, person, like a couple's therapist? And like, I'm a person too. I make, I'm a human. I make mistakes. The only good thing is hopefully I have the research and some of the insight to be like, oh yeah, that's not very good. Maybe I should make some adjustments, but I, I still sometimes like have to take a look and make those yeah. adjustments. And, resistance. <laughs> because the thing I definitely, I'm right there with you, Amber. Um, it's because I often have to remind people that I wasn't born a therapist. This was something that I also learned, right? So the same way how you and I have the capacity to do this, to do this work, anyone else can also learn the capacity to support and be there and show up for whoever they want to show up for. Right. So yeah. Great point. Weren't born a therapist. I wasn't born. You know, that's why I say my personal, my professional, there's an internal battle, right? What I want to say versus what I should say, totally different sometimes, you know, and I really have to sit down and like, so guys, what's yeah. happening here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah. I find though the longer you kind of like act in the way that is the adjusted behavior that becomes the new normal though. You're like, this is how I want to show up. Like this feels good for me. It comes naturally, but it's a practice and effort thing. And it happens slowly over time. Keyword slowly, right? Like people come to therapy and they're like, okay, <laughs> fix me. Yeah. yeah. Where's your magic wand? Isn't this like Harry Potter or something? I was thinking the exact same thing, like a bippity boppity boo, you yeah. know, God fairy mother. Um, it doesn't really work that way. Right. Because we first have to unlearn what our default was and then like implant new ways of interaction, right? Our brain fires and wires in a certain way and we have to kind of reprogram our brains, right? And also reprogram that physiological responses to certain things, right? Especially if you've been through trauma, you also know your body reacts to a certain thing when any of the senses, the five senses are triggered, that's remotely similar to an impactful situation, right? right? So these are things that just take time because I, I sometimes quantify things for my clients, right? Like, they're like, you know, I've been in therapy for a year. Yeah, but you're also 35. So 34 years of doing something versus a year, is that realistic to kind of balance against? And they're like, oh, okay, I guess not. Yeah, you know, like give yourself grace, right? Yeah. When you quantify it, it makes it a little bit more tangible, a little bit more human, a little bit more realistic in terms of how you want to show up for yourself. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you behaved a whole way for your whole life and uh, it's very hard to change behavior. Yeah, especially when the environment hasn't changed. Like, let's also speak about that, right? Like certain environments reinforce a certain type of behavior, outlook, all that stuff, right? So when your environment, meaning like your friends, your family, your physical environment hasn't necessarily changed and you're trying to be like, yeah, I'm enlightened now. Like, I'm not going to respond to you in such a way. And they're like, okay, you motherfucker. You're just like, oh, yeah, (laughs) you're like, I have a very hard time. (laughs) That's not what my therapist says. (laughs) So it's a process. That's the biggest thing. It's a process. It takes time. You're going to make mistakes. I use the analogy and people like always chuckle when I use this analogy. I'm like, you know, when you're a baby and you're learning how to walk, you trip over things. I'm like, even as an adult, we trip over air. You ever trip and you're like, what was there? And there's nothing, right? So like, even with us having all the practice in the world, learning to walk, we still trip over air. (laughs) You can be as seasoned and as quote unquote perfect as you want. 
but the reality is we are imperfect beings, right? So it's how you navigate that imperfection to be imperfectly you. Yeah. Imperfectly you. And I love what you said about taking the environment into account as well. Like how you can be as enlightened as you want, but if people, you know, if they approach in a certain way, your pattern behaviors are going to show up in that way and you're going to respond to that. So sometimes if we stay in our environments, we're going to find those same behaviors. It becomes harder to change. It doesn't mean impossible, but it can certainly mean harder. I remember early on when I was making some changes and trying to keep my side of the street clean and arguments in my family system. I was told like, how can we bring such a psychologist? I was like, man, I'm just in grad school. Like I'm just trying a new way. So <laughs> thing to remember is like people come back to homeostasis, right? We do what we always wanted to do. We want to bring the relationship back to what's familiar. Yes. And then you behave a different way. And they're like, what? That's not, that's not how you behave. What is this? A game? Yeah. Not consciously maybe or unconsciously, but they're trying to bring it back to what's familiar. And it's so easy to get stuck doing what you always did in the systems that you always did those things in. Yeah, because that's kind of what you said about like your loved ones are usually the ones that are kind of the one questioning your enlightenment, right? Like yeah. why are you doing this and why are you trying to change and why are you trying to be something you're not? You know, so that also <clears throat> plants a seed of doubt as well, right? You already don't know if this is going to be new or even as effective as you think it's going to be. And then with people who do hold weight in your life you know, are also saying the same thing and amplifying that doubt. Now you have to combat the doubt as well as the newness, right? Yeah, both. Yeah, it's like, I rather deal with the evil I know than the evil I don't. Exactly. Yes, that's so good. So tell me about, one of the things you talk about is repairing, (laughs) about repairs and relationships. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? I think, um, it's one of those things that it's also subjective. Like, what does it mean to the individuals that are trying to repair, right? So I think it's one of those things where it's not just a definition, but more so an interpretation. So whenever I'm asking, so let me kind of like dwindle back a little bit, but I don't know if you ever heard of like an apology language, like everyone's now, um, you know, up to date on love languages. And I love the conversations that are happening around love languages. Now I just want to invite a new kind of concept is the apology language, right? Like, how do you want to apologize? Um, How do you want your partner or the people in your life, right? Because relationships are more than just romantic relationships too, right? Um, They show up in different ways in other interactions, whether it's a business interaction or a platonic friendship interaction right just maybe at smaller intervals because your business partner doesn't technically live with you and your friends don't technically live with you right so you literally have a physical break where you can kind of exhale and then you can kind of come to them and say you hurt me whereas like your partner's like in your face usually or they're on your phone or they have access to you at a different rate so you don't always have a time to be like exhale like okay I'm I'm better now when you're frustrated with them breathing can be a trigger. (laughs) Now you pick out the plate from the cupboard. Why are you so loud? You know, like everything can be an irritation, right? Yeah. So um, when you're thinking about apologies, it's just kind of like, what is meaningful to you? Is it just acknowledging the accountability piece? Is it someone actively um, kind of like retribution, right? Like actively trying to do something, like you see them trying to do something. So, okay, it's meaningful. Um, so there's like, I think there's like four different ways to apologize, but 
with that, it's really good for you to just have an idea. And with all these concepts, I always caution people that these are just blueprints. This is not the end all and be all of how things are going to work or unravel for you and your partner, right? Because we get really stuck on, oh, well, and I know you hear this, my therapist said, right? And like what we say, it's golden, which is great. It's an honor for us to be able to have, you know, hold space in your life to be a reference point. But it's also recognizing that, yeah, what we said is what we said, but how is it actually playing out in real life? Yeah. Like therapy, I mean, theory versus application. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah. And like, I like what you said about things being blueprints. And I always talk to my clients about like, I give you some structure here. I give you some tools, but then how you choose to apply them in your real life is going to be different person to person to person, relationship to relationship. Yeah. So no, go on. Oh, I was just thinking about like your ways to apologize. And I I love what you're talking about with the love languages. And I recently had someone say to me, like, how do you want to be apologized to? I was like, interesting question. How do I want to be apologized to? Like, do I need accountability? Do I action? Like, what are the things that I need to feel like your apology is valid? So I think it's a really good thing and and a really important part of repair that if you don't know that about your partner, I'm even thinking this about myself. I'm like, do I know how my partner wants to be apologized to? And I'm actually not sure. I mean, I have some hints of things that I think he generally wants me to do and things he generally doesn't want me to do. But like, what, what does, what is a meaningful apology to him? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I think, um, in society, there's so many demands and so many things from us. And, um, if we have, like, I keep saying like just an idea of what it could be that can be meaningful to our partner, why not press that button? Right. Um, as opposed to we're constantly exerting energy to try to do all these other things. That's not, maybe not be as impactful. Right. So the goal is to really enjoy your relationship, to enhance and grow in the relationship, right? So if that's the goal, okay, let me do these things that are actually meaningful instead of me just kind of thinking about, oh, what's easier for me? Mm. You're thinking about the relationship itself. So it's just really reminding people that the relationship is kind of like a container, right? Like it's not just me, it's not just them, it's us you know, we's, you know, togetherness. And if we're functioning from kind of like, you know, a collective society um, or a collective community, I don't know what, what I would want to say. Like, is it a community if it's only two people? But anyways. <laughs> collective. The joint yeah, togetherness. Period. <laughs> a collective perspective. It's really just really trying to find things that, you know, it resonates with whomever you're trying to resolve things with. Yeah, I love that. So when I start thinking about the five love languages, mm-hmm. and, you know, we read about, a lot of people are familiar with them now, not everyone, but you know, that book is a, a New York Times bestseller, this bestseller, that bestseller, like 50 million times over. Like at this point, it's, it's pretty mainstream. People are like, oh yeah, the love languages. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think a mistake a lot of us make is we do the love languages to our partner that are done to us or that we like, cause we just assume like, that's what I that's what yeah. I like. That's what works for me. Yeah. Instead of making the shift to like, what would, what would make my partner feel loved? What would yeah. make them feel cared about? Yeah. And how would that show meaning? Like if, if, can you imagine what your relationship would be like if both of you were like, how do they want apology or how do they want to feel loved? Yeah. And then you do that. Yeah. And what, how meaningful could that relationship be recognizing that you both might be different, but like what could change? Yeah. If you, 
really took the time out to figure out how does your partner want to be loved? And then once you find out if your partner wants to be loved that way, are you willing to do it that way? <laughs> right. Comfortable for people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think in couples therapy, a lot of the work that we do is reminding people to focus on not necessarily their own individual needs, but their partner's needs, right? Because right. if you both are pouring into each other, your cups are both filled, right? right? You don't have a chance to necessarily build up that resentment because you're not really paying attention to what they're not doing, but more so what you can do to help facilitate a more <clears throat> cohesive union, right? right? So I think these things are now becoming more do I dare say normalized? Like people are starting to ask more questions at the very least. Like there's a curiosity. People want to know more. Um, people don't necessarily want to just have a relationship. You know, they're looking for more meaning in the relationship. So I like the shift that's happening um, in that regard. You know, right. mm -hmm. it's less based off of like what unions used to be was kind of like survival. Right. You know, now it's more of a choice, right? You know, it's like this makes sense. It was based off of logic yeah. <laughs> and, a, and proximity. Sometimes, you know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, I'm thinking of like Game of Thrones, but you know, like <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things, right? Um, and I would say, I'm like, I wonder how I would like survive. Like, did they have therapists back then? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> there was none on the show. I'm pretty sure there's none they had like advisors yeah they had advisors <laughs> no no I don't even know if there was necessarily spiritual advisors actually maybe they did like tarot cards or palm readings or something yeah. like that or I don't yeah. know yeah I, I think like Vikings is coming into my head right now and I'm thinking of like going to see the Viking god guy that you have to go to something and, yeah I don't know all my shows are getting mismatched right now <laughs> just create but, a new show Okay, so we've got all these ways. We talked about repair, apologizing. Um, what do you think are some of the barriers to repairing in a relationship? Pride. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. There's no, like, anything. It's just like, well, I'm this way, so they need to respect me, and they need to, you know, it's definitely pride, right? Um, vulnerability and pride aren't friends, mm. right? Like, they don't hang out, <laughs> you know? So in that regard, it makes it really hard um, to be that person who's vulnerable, showing sides of themselves that maybe no one else or very few people have access to, right. and, and which is usually like a softness, right? Um, and then by showing that softness, how does that person respond to that softness? Right. And I think that's the part where it becomes really injurious because we've all had moments, even growing up in high school, like we were devastated, like, oh, my gosh, I'll never love again. And here we are. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like these um, reoccurrence of injuries that happen throughout our lives that has made it really hard sometimes for us to just open up ourselves to people. Yeah. Um, and repair definitely requires some level of vulnerability. Like, I'm sorry, like even down to validating an experience, right? Like to say <clears throat> for some people, um, they kind of go into defend mode or they want to criticize 
folks or they I'm thinking of like Gottman like Stonewall right like they shut down um or there's a level of superiority right contempt so mm-hmm. like these four things play a huge role in connecting so they're counterproductive towards connecting with other people right, right? right. So if you're being soft and you're being vulnerable and saying like, you know what you did hurt me. And I've just felt like I was invisible and someone's like, well, you never do this. Da, 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 da. They're defending. You're going to shut down. Right. And saying like, well, you're not good at this. You're criticizing. You're going to shut down. Right. You say that. And they look at you blank stare, or they may not even be looking at you. That's stonewalling. You're withdrawing. You shut down. And then when they're saying, well, I don't know why you even find it hard to do X, Y, and Z contempt, right? So all these things, it makes it super hard. Like you're being yourself and you're saying that this hurt me and they respond that way, right? So you're not gonna, if anything, it's gonna, I'm not gonna say you're never gonna open up yourself to that person again, but it's gonna be harder for you to go there because you're like the last time that's how it was. And it was really hard for me to recover from that. Right. right. And if they, even when you shared this piece, like, hey, when you were defending, criticizing, being contemptuous and stonewalling, um, and they still kind of want to almost like legitimize why they did what they did, then you're just kind of like, okay, so this is not safe. So kind of circling back to what you were saying earlier about yelling, like, yeah, I needed to do that. But now the safety is kind of like in jeopardy. Right. Relationship. Right. And if you can't feel safe in the relationship, then I often ask people, what is your purpose of being in a relationship? Mm. Right. Are you just in it just so you can say you have a plus one or are you in it for survival, you know, financial gain? You know, they're taking care of my needs. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, Or are you in there for emotional support? Right. You know, your best friend who you can do things for, do with. Right. So it just really depends what your purpose is. Right. So if your purpose is for certain things, then maybe this may not be an issue. Right. And maybe you're not looking at it from the angle that actually serves that purpose. Right. So. Okay. So that's an interesting question. Like what, what is the purpose of being in a relationship and to sort that one out? Yeah. Cause you're asking yourself here the question, right? Like, is it, this is the right thing to do at 37, (laughs) you know, like, especially for women, right? We get these questions a lot when we're single. It's just kind of like, well, why aren't you in a relationship? Men don't necessarily get those types of questions either. Yeah. So it, the gender role plays a, plays a effect in terms of our perception of things as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, am I just doing this because this is a societal expectation? Right. No. So it's really for, the individual or individuals to know like okay why are we doing this right it's a hard question and it's an uncomfortable question yeah but usually on the other side of discomfort is growth that's true and to ask yourself like why are we doing this can lead to a deeper sense of meaning together and creating some joint purpose together yeah right what is the shared meaning yeah right And these are the things that definitely help to strengthen their relationship because now you guys have core values that align, right? The execution is neither here nor there, right? You guys are individual folks, so you guys will do things differently, right? You Um, both value cleanliness, but maybe you might clean once a week. They may clean every day, right? But 
the core value is cleanliness, right? right. And for you guys to figure out like what's the compromise between the two. Right. So it's always about teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. How does this affect the team, right? So, you know, I guess you would say more simpler concepts just to make it a little bit easier and more digestible okay. for folks. Because um, I think sometimes with the emotion, things definitely feel overwhelming. Right. And we want to slow them down. We want to like, hey, exhale. It's okay. You know, we're going to figure this out one day at a time. That's the goal. One day at a time, not one day in a year (laughs) or, you know, a year in a day, I should say, you know, so just slow it down and take some time to reflect and figure out like what's important, what's meaningful, and then go from there. Yeah. So we're talking about like what's important, what's meaningful. We've talked a little bit about repairs We've talked about not being able to take things back. We've talked about intention versus impact. But what do you think are some of the key things that make a relationship meaningful? Friendship. Mm. You know, I think that is the missing piece. I think that's um, something that people should always be focusing on. Because when you don't feel in love, the friendship is what's going to keep you guys afloat. Right. Right? So... That's what I always encourage my clients for, like the friendship, enjoying each other, you know, doing some things that are, um, you know, new and exciting, right? This is how you have your own kind of like language, your inside jokes, your own memories that's separate from friends and family, right? You guys are creating your own infrastructure that's unique to both you and your partner, Right. right? those things are important because you could always like, if like, I always think of these, you know, the shows, the talk shows um, or like the sitcoms or whatever. And, you know, you see one partner just like me, like upset crossed arms and they're pouting. And then the partner comes over like, but they say a keyword of like, you know, remember the beaches? And you're like, I don't care about the beaches. You're like, yeah, but remember Saturday night? And you're like, maybe, you know, like I think of those moments, right? Where like, you can say things that kind of bring people a little bit back from, you know, being upset with you. Like, of course, yeah, you did stuff and we're always going to do stuff that annoys our partner, but like, you can say things that are unique to them, right? right? laughing like you're so dumb I hate you but I love you at the same time but I hate you right now but I love you at the same time still you know so the friendship yeah that's the that's the meat and potatoes of things so friendship you get you talked about some ways so doing new things together just doing things together what other suggestions or tips do you have for people to continue to build their friendship if they're like I don't know we've been together so long how do we do that yeah Um, other things, I feel like usually that alone is always a task on its own, (laughs) um, friendship and, um, also maybe learning their world, right? Like if you guys have been together for a very long time, you assume that things are very much the same, right? They're not, there might be a new job. There may be a new person that annoys them at the new job, you know, it might be, um, you know, there might be family members that have been introduced into the family dynamic that has shifted things. And you feel like you're on the outside looking in, right? right? And that builds a little bit of resentment sometimes, depending on how long, like, look how much I've put in. And then this new friend kind of comes in and they get glorified and put on a pedestal, right? Especially if they're, you guys are in like a, 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 situation right now where you guys don't like each other very much right so if a new person gets introduced and it's like oh great and they're raving about them you might feel threatened right 
So I think definitely learning about the person that you're with and and just, you know, doing check-ins. I think we get comfortable and we assume we know everything. So, you know, um, that's why I say the friendship piece, because your friends would be like, so what's new? You know, I haven't spoken to you in a while or something like that. Right. Or we haven't gone out to do this in a while. Right. So that's kind of where the friendship kind of bleeds in a little bit, too, to keep things afloat. Right. Because you're not your friend doesn't necessarily accuse you of things. They're more curious about things. Right. right. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's why I'm saying, you know, friendship kind of, you know, it's pretty important. So you learn a little bit more. So making sure that you're up to date with what's going on in their life. Right. And it's from a curious standpoint. Um, what else could it be? Um, we did talk a little bit about shared meaning, you know, the importance of that, making sure that the core values are aligned and that you guys are figuring it out and how to repurpose and rejig and keep, you know, creating that picture for you guys. Um, conflict obviously is like a huge thing. Um, how you deal with conflict is definitely going to be the thing that keeps you guys together. You know, like, are you guys fighting dirty? Are you guys, you know, hitting below the belt and then playing victim at the same time, <laughs> right? So the accountability piece is a huge thing, you know, just someone being able to recognize what they've done and then proceed differently. Yeah. Well, and I think too, if you think about it, about the friendship, like when you're really good friends with someone, you tend to not want to hurt them either. You're like, mm -hmm. I like this person. I don't want to play dirty. I don't want to you know, hit them below the belt. I want to hit them above belt. In fact, I don't even want to hit them. Exactly. I was like, how about we don't hit? <laughs> no hitting, no hitting. So like, I think that friendship piece really speaks to a lot. And I know how hard it can be when you live with someone, you see them every day. Like I kind yeah. of felt like there was a period a few months ago, my husband, and I would sit down at dinner. I'd be like, so oh. <laughs> nothing. I love you more than anything, but I have nothing new to say to you yeah. zero since I saw you last. And which yeah. is so different than when you have, haven't seen a friend that you've seen a long time. You do you read them. You're like, Hey, how are you? What's up? What's new? Tell me all the things. Yeah. And I, I seldom approach my husband with that energy. So I was like, okay, what can I do to get yeah. this going? So I got like cart, like table topics cards to like pull a new topic. And then when we got through the deck, I just like found some questions on the internet and I cut them all up and I put them in this big, I put them in a big beer stein on the table. So we have conversation starters. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I've been talking to people all day. I don't know what to say to you. I love you exactly. so much, but I'm zero I, off the top of my head. I'm like, I don't know. How was work? Good. Okay. So was mine. Like we need <laughs> something else to take us to that deeper level of curiosity. And I wish it was more organic and natural and it might surprise people. I ask people questions questions all day, but I was stumped too. I was like, I don't know what to say. So yeah. I just relied on some of the tools that I give my clients and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. You know, like the internet, Google, as much as it's like, I feel like Google's like a blessing and a curse at the same oh. time, right? It depends on what it is. Like if you're ever sick, everything leads to like, you're about to die. Yes. If you click enough, if you click enough, <laughs> it's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, so those are your resources where you can kind of ask questions. Cause I even refer to my, my friends who, you know, I don't really know what to ask when I'm dating. I'm like, Google it. Google has so much questions that you can ask that it doesn't necessarily have to come from you, especially if you're feeling a little bit anxious, you're feeling a little bit on edge, you can definitely just say, Hey, so I have a question you're like, Hey, you want to play questions? You yeah. get to put someone on a dating perspective. The same thing can happen for people who've been in longer marriages or unions, right? Same thing what you said, look them up, put them in. It's just really about intentionality, right? Like, are you a proactive person or just kind of like 
reactive and you kind of let life happen to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think what you're doing with your partner is like, great. You know, like you're like, okay, I need, we need to do something. (laughs) So let me be proactive and insert as opposed to you guys get to a point where you kind of let that awkwardness fester. Yeah. You know, you have a distant person across the table from you. Yeah. And a lot of people say like, oh, it just, um, doesn't feel natural. I have like a spark with this new person and it's because they're new. Like novelty breeds sparks. Yeah. Right. So that's why I say novelty is what's going to keep you guys going. Or maybe I didn't say it. Maybe telepathically I said it to you and now you said it. Telepathically. Either way, we got it out. (laughs) Yeah. Novelty is a huge thing in a long-term relationship. That's why I say doing something new and interesting that you've never done before. Yes. So for sure. Um, I think of early dating, right? Like a lot of times we go on new dates with people or have experiences that we wouldn't typically do. Like they're not our thing, but we do them because we're on our best good behavior. Yeah. But then after a few years in a partnership with someone, we're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to do it. But like, okay, just, just try. It's try. Really hate it. It's not like, you know, maybe you don't like cold water. So don't go snorkeling in like Alaska yeah. or something. But if it's, yeah. if it's okay, like warm water snorkeling, maybe you're going in some tropical place, give it a whirl. Like, can you yeah. be new experiences for the purposes of building a bond and sharing something together not everything is going to be your favorite best experience yeah but great memories you're gonna have things to talk about you're gonna have funny stories for the things that don't go right exactly it could be both where you guys like sorry go on (laughs) i was just thinking like you're creating opportunity for there to be a spark doesn't mean the spark is always going to come but you have to create the opportunity for that to even be possible exactly that's spot on exactly so it's really just being open. That's what I hear you saying, like being open to the possibilities of what could be. Yeah. 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 So I love it. Novelty. Yeah. I like this. I like <laughs> that the novelty telepathic thing we have going on. There. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other things that we didn't talk about that you think could be helpful for bringing more new novel things to a longer term partnership? Well, I mean, like even with the, the the Google piece too, right? Like let's pick something. You put a whole bunch of stuff in a bottle and you have to pick it and you have to do it whether you like it or not. Ooh, yeah. Right? And that will get people out of the comfort zone because a lot of people haven't actually tried things. They just kind of make their minds up. This sucks. I'm not doing it. Right. And when they try, they're like, hey, they're not so bad. Right. So try it, you know, see how it goes. At least you're with someone that you like. So if anything happens, well, hopefully you like them. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> At least you're doing something with another person. And if you want, you can even get like couples to collaborate with too, right? So it could be the four of you. So yes. if you're a group dynamic type of person and that's in your comfort zone, then try it out, you know, see what happens, have a good laugh about it after, you know, and being okay with being silly and laughing at yourself, <laughs> you know, yes. after is what did they say? The something to the soul? That's, I think they do say something about that. Yeah, I don't know what the saying is right now, but, you know, of course, when we're done, I'm like, Amber, it's this. <laughs> yeah. Later, yeah. it'll come to you. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about so many different things. So if people are struggling in their partnership, they, they're feeling maybe like two islands disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. What one, two, or three things would you suggest given a try to help reconnect and, and bring some meaning back to that partnership? Mm. So I would say look up date nights you know Mm -hmm. um sometimes just going 
I even had moments where like me and my partner, we just go, we get a hotel downtown and it feels like we're kind of somewhere, but we're not, we're just downtown Toronto, you know, and it feels different, you know, like we need to go out for dinner. We need to go for a walk by the water. We need to, you know what I mean? Like, these are the things we just need to do because this is what you do when you're downtown Toronto, you know? Um, So date nights, whatever that may be for you guys. Um, Maybe if the thing, if your thing, couples retreats, right? Um, those are a cool way to kind of get away. Depends on, like, obviously not all couples retreats are created equal. Um, but, you know, seeing if there are any available, because obviously I'm going to speak about my couples retreat. So the way how I do my couples retreat is, you know, we have a sex and intimacy coach that comes. Then we turn the Saturday night into a romantic date night. You know, there's a private chef. There's a shuttle bus, you know, that brings them from Toronto to where we are. So these are things that I've made like a note of in terms Mm -hmm. of things that people want. They don't have to worry about transportation. They don't have to worry about food. Um, People are very much sensory folks. So visually we're on a waterfront property. So when they're eating their lunches and dinners, they're looking out onto the water, right? Mm -hmm. Like these things are very calming and relaxing, which then allows you to reconnect with your partner because now you're not worried about the kids. You're not worried about your family members. You're just focusing on you and your partner, right? right? Yeah. And there may be other partners that are there and you're noticing like, Hey, I'm noticing that a lot of, maybe a lot of the men are one way oh, that's normal, right? So it normalizes the experiences for the men, you know, and even for the women, right? So I think sometimes when there's so much going on, it makes it a lot easier for us to slow down when we're in a kind of like a safe, tranquil place, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, couples retreat, date nights. Um, What's the third thing that I can recommend? You know, Contrary to popular belief, couples therapy can be very helpful. (laughs) Folks are like, no, I'm not going to couples therapy. That means something's wrong. No, it means you're committed to your relationship and that you're trying to figure out how to navigate it. And sometimes having a third objective party helps to kind of like just figure that out. If you go to a couples therapist once does not mean your relationship is in shambles, right? It just means like, maybe I just need someone to kind of give us an idea and figure some things out, right? And you, like I said, you can go once. You don't have to keep going either. And couples therapy, are, problems are easier to solve when you go when the problems aren't that big too. Exactly. Hey, I mean, I mean Amber, you're, you're right you're right there with it, right? Because you have the patience to redirect things and reframe things. You're yeah. not in a crisis state, right? Yeah. When you're in a crisis state, you just like, get him out. I hate him, you know? Or like, <laughs> get her out. I hate him. I hate her, right? So it's a totally different headspace that you're in and you're able to actually digest things and then kind of trial and error, right? You don't feel so like, we need to get this right or we're not going to be together. The anxiety level is much lower right? So you can make a little stumble and it's not going to be the end of the world, right? So it's just what's in your capacity, you know? Um, But I would probably say out of the three that we suggested, date nights are usually the cheapest, right? Usually. (laughs) Usually, right? Dates are going on, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you go to Ruth Chris every time, I don't know. But like, if you just want to go for a walk 
by the water or like a picnic that you create for you and your partner. You know, right. these things are very low resources. For a picnic, you need a blanket. You need maybe a park or waterfront property. You maybe, you know, you make sandwiches, you know, for the, for you yeah, guys. Be cost or, expensive. Yeah. Or you get muffins or you get each other you know, a tea or a coffee in the morning, like whatever, right? Um, picnics don't have like a right or wrong way to <laughs> picnic, you know? Um, very flexible. <laughs> very flexible, right? So these are some things that are definitely cost efficient. Um, but again, you can always Google things. If you're feeling stuck, you don't have to figure it all out by yourself. You can make, um, res- you can connect with your friends and say, hey, what's a good day night idea? You can use your friends. Yes. You family members, um, so many different things, but it's like, just be committed to the commitment, you know, whatever the commitment that you made to your partner or partners, you know, whatever your thing is. Yeah. So however they, they voice that they want to do things, try, just try. Yeah. Okay. We've talked about so many things here. You've given us so many good tips, (laughs) which is so appreciated. Um, you've talked about your own couples retreat. If people want to learn more about that or anything about you, where could they follow you, find you to learn more about you and your services? Yeah. So I'm very active online. Um, H dot associates. I keep it very simple. It's literally the letter H It's literally a period and associates with an S <laughs> keep it simple. Um, or you can chances are, if you type in my name, you can find everything. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on my website. You can find me on Instagram. I don't even know if I have a Twitter account, but maybe from my high school, there's probably a Twitter account somewhere. (laughs) I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the easiest way. And I do have a date night coming up on August 27th as well. So um, I'm just listening to what my clients say they want and then trying to curate that right? Um, Because not everyone has the privilege to have this type of insight, right? So I definitely try to help facilitate those relationships that are meaningful. Mm, It's like a date night, like this is an experience that people go on and you put on. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. So that one on the 27th is just an outdoor movie. Um, It also includes beverages and food and snacks. And it's only $45. So I made it very affordable for two yeah. tickets, <laughs> 45, That's very affordable. Yeah. You know, we just want people to come out, have a good time, meet other couples. Cause that was also something that they said they wanted. Like sometimes you want to connect with other people who are also in relationships. Yeah. Um, so this will have an opportunity, you know, and, um, yeah. How many times a year do you do your retreat? Um, so we're having our one year anniversary in November, um, I think I'm going to either do, I do three. So I usually do one in November just to commemorate the first time I did it. Um, I usually do, I wanted to do one in February, but COVID said no. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be another one. And then I wanted to have one in the summer because that property is gorgeous during the summer. Um, but we'll see, it gets booked up really quickly, right. um, but three or four is the is a time frame for it all because I also need to recover from each of them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna link her website to the show notes as well as her Instagram to the show notes. Don't go looking for her on Twitter because we're not sure if she has it. We're but not sure. We're not sure. <laughs> we're not sure. But we'll put uh, for sure Instagram. Put her website to the show notes. So that if you're interested in this date night or looking into a retreat, that you know where to find her. Follow her, and um, 
yeah, be, be involved. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I've so appreciated this conversation with you, your insights. It was absolutely lovely. And thank you so much, Amber, for reaching out and connecting with me. I love your content. I love your Instagram. <laughs> so this is like a great moment to meet you in, well, not in person, but visually, you know, having a somewhat human experience, you know? Yes. You don't have them as much with COVID. With COVID. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.